Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Follow the Prophet is a production of Gingrich 360 and iHeartRadio. So the events of 2020 caused so many people to seek radical changes personally and financially. And, you know, we're all hearing those stories about people moving away from big cities, especially places like New York and L.A., and going to small and medium-sized places for really for just a change of pace and lifestyle and maybe even to hide for a little bit. And for those in the tech world, I'm going to tell you about one city that has become the hottest spot in America and all the drastic changes that place is currently going through. We'll also speak to a seasoned player in the cannabis industry, and we really want to hear about his insight as to how to get into that industry and what to look out for as it rapidly changes every single day. I'm David Grosso, and this is Follow the Profit. If you're expecting a motivational get-rich-quick show, then go find another podcast. There's plenty of options out there. I've spent years reporting in the world of finance, and here on Follow the Profit, we're always going to give you 
deconstructed and in a digestible manner what's going on in the economy, politics, and finance so that you, in the end, you can use your money to help you, yourself, follow the profit. It's not very surprising these days that opportunity can be found in various different places. There are obvious places like gold, oil, diamonds, and some other not so likely places like marijuana, something that 10 years ago was probably something we had difficulty imagining as a legitimate business. Really throughout history, cannabis has had a really checkered past of social acceptance, but there's a deep history there. The Romans, the Egyptians, and the Chinese found several uses for cannabis, things like food, medicine, and rope. And you know, we all know that Western Europe already was using cannabis by the 1500s, and that eventually made its way over here to the United States. And in the early 1900s, something changed. The US government declared marijuana narcotic. And for the next 100 years, up till very recently, the US put up a fight against the ganja. But by 2000, things started to turn. States began to regulate marijuana, first for medical reasons, and then later, of course, for recreational use. And that's where opportunity was found. People saw how marijuana was suddenly integrated into our daily life. It became part of society and a big part of the economy. One report said that marijuana had now become a $40 billion industry. And get this, it had become the second largest cash crop after corn. Wow. So how does the cannabis industry work? Joining us today is Andrew Hunsaker. He's a cannabis accounting expert. He's the founder of Dope CFO, and they offer tools and services for those operating businesses in the marijuana space. How you doing today, Andrew? Great, that's a great intro. Did you ever see yourself working in this space, Andrew, 10 years ago? Did you see this coming around the pike? Not at all. 2000, 2010, I was in Oklahoma, CFO of a big oil and gas company. And my wife and I, we moved out here to Bend, Oregon, a nicer, um, smaller pace, small town with all the nice things that the big city has, but without all the traffic and headaches. And yeah, I never saw cannabis coming at all. And I, I literally accidentally fell into the space um, back in 2014. So one of the big problems with marijuana is that it's still federally illegal. So how do you operate a business that is technically illegal, especially as it pertains to cash, right? Because if you run a pot business, you can't just go deposit the money in the bank, can you? Well, actually, that's a misconception, too. So about 7% of the financial institutions in the U.S. actually serve cannabis. And so, for example, in Oklahoma, I think it's First Fidelity will bank you. In Oregon, MAPS Credit Union has 14 locations and banks most of the, the cannabis places. That said, we're very, very cash intensive, kind of like casinos are. And so we have more controls to deal with. Um, the more cash um, focused your industry is, the more opportunities for fraud and, and theft and illegalities. And so it's actually in, in the interest of the feds and the state to get this more legalized so that we can, um, we can help take um, better, have better controls around that cash so that we can make sure the tax dollars get paid, et cetera. And we're not, um, as long as you have some of these things in place, like including state walls around, you can't ship cannabis across state lines it encourages the illegal markets to thrive. So if you're in Oregon and you're trying your best to be a legal crop farmer and your next door neighbor shipping it off to New York City and getting, you know, 7,000 a pound and you're getting 800 a pound, it makes it very hard to stay legal <laughs> for a lot of these people. 
So how, how do these businesses operate? They can't operate like a hot dog stand. They can't take deductions. How does taxation work? They can't take credit cards, I'm imagining. Every stone you overturn, it's difficult. So first off, they've got to get state licenses. So even though it's federally illegal and states started slowly approving, we'd have votes in different states. And so now we have, I think, 39 where we're at, either medical and or both recreational as well. But every step of the way, things are difficult. So yeah, we don't have good merchant services. So people like PayPal, Stripe, Square, who I, I heard on your show, they're not in cannabis yet. And so we called it whack-a-mole back in the old days when it was just Oregon and a couple states. Clients would get a Square Stripe account and it may take two months for them to be caught. And then they just open up another one. And it got to be where it was like Stripe and Square were trying to, to catch and uncover these. They got very, very good at it. And so we had to get alternative merchant services. We have the software in the industry is very difficult. Where are you going to do payroll? People like ADP and Paychecks don't do this. And so it, it's very, very challenging. It's also highly capital intensive, whether you're starting an indoor farm, an outdoor farm, a processing plant, a retailer. You're talking generally seven figures and even mid to upper eight to 10 million to really run a good farm or operation. What if you're interested in being a marijuana entrepreneur? How do you break into this space? It's tricky. Bend, Oregon, we have restaurants everywhere and coffee shops. Um, it's a tourist town and we have 23 dispensaries. The difference is you walk down the street and you look at the coffee shops probably doing 100 grand in revenues and next door the dispensary is doing 4 million. And so it looks the same from the outside. It's still mom and pop. It's still owned by one person. Um, the trick is, is just locating the capital. So there is a lot of capital coming into the space. A lot of the professional money is not there yet, but we have many, many angel investors that want in and have from the beginning. And so all we'll find all the time, Joe or Sally Farmer, 28 years old, knows how to grow pot, and they're paired up with Uncle Fred over in Phoenix, who owns a $10 million construction company. They get three or four million bucks, and they're off and running. And we, I see that all the time. One or two kind of silent investors that are jumping in. Um, the money will, will continue to flow inwards to this industry because there are big dollars here. Is it risky? Is the space getting flooded yet, or is there still a lot of room for growth there? Yeah, there's a lot of room for growth. So you get new states like, say, Colorado is a $3 billion market right now. New Jersey and Illinois just legalized. They're both three times the size of Colorado. So we're looking at $10 billion markets. There's going to be a lot of room for growth in, in new states. Then you go over to Oregon. We're pretty saturated in dispensaries and farms right now. We opened up as pretty much a free market here. It's pretty easy to get a license. That said, what does that mean? There's lots of companies that go under. It's not a get-rich-quick scenario. You need a lot of capital. We haven't dove into tax yet, but I speak to business owners as well around the U.S., and we tell them the key to success in this niche, whether it's farming, retail, whatever, you've got to be well capitalized, number one. Secondly, build your brand, your revenue growth. Valuations are based now and even more so in the future on top line growth um, as opposed to net income. You know, I know a young guy, 24 years old, he had a dispensary here for two years and sold it for a million bucks. It was just, it was one of the smaller ones. What happens in states like Florida? And here we have a very weird model. It's only medicinal right now even though we're moving towards recreational. And they actually only gave out a limited number of licenses to agricultural families. So what happens in states that are not like Oregon, where the market is very, very restricted to a limited number of providers? 
it's definitely unfair, first of all. Secondly, it's going to lead to a lot of so-called fraud and or political favoritism and whatnot. Who you know is going to matter a lot. If we can jump out five years forward as the federal walls and possibly cannabis gets declassified, just like CBD did a year ago, when we break down those walls and state walls and pricing's more even across the states, I think the markets are going to open up more. So I think we'll end up having liquor style stores. We'll also maybe have social pubs. We'll definitely have craft growers and product manufacturers like we have in beer and whatnot or coffee. So we'll see that in in cannabis as well. For the people who just have never tried it or, you know, just are completely outside of this world, why in terms of public policy should we move towards legalizing marijuana nationwide? First and foremost, it's medicine. Our population is aging rapidly, and my mom's, again, a great example. Arthritis, sleep issues, anxiety, you have these different issues, um, and it turns out cannabis actually can work for many things. And so for years and years, you know, it was all anecdotal. Oh, you can, I remember growing up, you know, in the 70s, my neighbor smoked some cannabis when she had cancer and was doing chemo. Now we have real science. We have real hospitals around the globe, including the government, coming up with studies that that cannabis helps pain, inflammation, sleep, anxiety, autism, epilepsy. I go on and on and on. And so it's real medicine, first and foremost. It doesn't belong on Schedule 1, which the number one criteria for being on Schedule 1 is there's no known medical benefits. Secondly, um, right now, what are we seeing? We're seeing... Uh, a COVID going around. So cannabis in many states went from illegal, Oklahoma and Oregon are good examples, illegal to legal and now essential. So it's not only legal, it's actually essential. So it's COVID proof, it's recession proof. Our cities, counties, states, and feds are all broke. Yes, so it's a great source of dollars. How can we make sure that a broad spectrum of Americans are benefiting from this new growing industry? It's super tricky. There's going to have to be some kind of model where we can award some of these licenses, especially if they're restricting them, to people that are disadvantaged, somehow pairing them up with sources of capital as we move move towards federal legalization. That said, it goes back to the old days of the who got rich in the gold rush. It was the guys making the shovels. Well, same here. you got lighting manufacturers. you got plumbers, electricians, what I do, accounting and tax. Those professions are open to everybody. And, and I tell people, I mentioned the plumbers and the electricians because I've, I've, I saw that when I got in initially. I was like, whoa, we're paying these electricians and plumbers 10 to 20 grand a month. And I was like, they're making more than the accountants. And so I was like, I started to get that all these other sister industries, whether it's realtors or marketers or whatever, it's in demand. So there's many, many ways to get into the niche. And it's actually easier on some of these ancillary industries and not the the core industry itself. Well, that's excellent advice. So let's talk about the the economics of weed. How much does it cost to grow? Does it vary widely? I have no idea. I I haven't even ever bought it on the street. So you're going to have to educate me on how this actually works. So even accountants and CPAs, they hate the word cost accounting because it brings back nightmares. It's kind of like calculus and math, and it's, it's one of the more tough subjects when you get your CPA license. And so, for example, you get the mother plant, you clip a, the um, clone off and you stick it in a little pot that costs maybe 10 cents with just a handful of dirt. Your raw materials are basically free or very, very cheap. And so, but then 
a growth cycle could be anywhere from four months to six months where they, they take it all the way through flowering and then harvesting. Then they dry it, cure it, trim it, take it off to the lab. They bring it back. And so from that plant, for all those months, it's being watered. It's getting lighting put on it and utilities. It's got labor and it's got rent. It's got all these other costs on the farm. And we're putting those costs via cost accounting on that plant. So how do we do that? How do we decide how much rent goes on the plant? How much salary watering goes on the plant? How much of the electricity bill on and on and on goes into the plant? And then it depends on how many plants you got, the strains, the, the stage of completion, the even the estimated yield. Some plants yield a pound. Some plants yield two pounds. So we do all this complex accounting, and then we can look at the whole crop and say, okay, we've got 800 pounds here, and it costs, you know, whatever, $100,000 in cost. And so our average um, price per pound, maybe it's 1000 bucks, and we're going to try to sell it to the dispensary for 2000 So let's get into CBD, because that's something I have in my cabinet and understand better. Are there any controls for CBD? Go to the FDA side and type in CBD FAQs, and they'll give you a whole long laundry list of, of why you can't um, put CBD in food and beverage and pet till they they um, come up with their rules. So F, the FDA governs what goes in our body and our medicines, and so eventually over time, they're way behind the eight ball now. They're going to be regulating this stuff. So when we go to buy a loaf of bread and it says there's on the back what's exactly in it and how much carbohydrates, I think most of us believe that that's true and it's tested somewhere. Eventually we'll see that with CBD right now. We've seen through, I've worked with labs and whatnot, I'd say a decent amount of the CBD sold in America may not even have any CBD in it. It's, it's the Wild West right now, so you got to be very, very careful on what lab is testing it. Do you really believe this company? Um, it's Since you can't feel CBD, you have no idea. Someone says, here, take this gummy bear, and it's got CBD in it. Um, you may just even be getting the placebo effect for all you're you just, know. You're just eating a plain old gummy bear, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> so you got to be... Very careful, and and since CBD is medicine, it's not a supplement, it's being treated for real medical causes, that means the FDA has even more authority. Um, so that what a lot of these companies don't get, they're like, oh, I'm making CBD. The FDA, just just last week, they came out and cracked down on, on five bigger companies, so we're going to see a lot more um, cases, whether it's FDA, USDA, the IRS coming in to get their tax dollars, um, lots of compliance issues. This shows about following the profit, chasing opportunity. How do you know there's any stability in this? How do you know that the state, the feds, the IRS, OSHA, EPA, FDA, USDA aren't going to knock your door down and you're going to be out of a job or out of a business? <laughs> well, that's a good question. And I get that a lot from people coming into our program. And the analogy I give them, I say, you know, six years ago, we were pushing the boulder up the hill and then we got it on top of the hill and then it was kind of rolling down the hill. Well, at this point, it has dropped off the cliff and anyone who wants to get under it, for example, someone like, say, Jeff Sessions a few years ago, you're going to get smothered. So we have, I mean, almost 40 out of 50 states welcoming the industry. We have just tons of farms and dispensaries actually growing the pot. But then you look at all of us accountants and electricians and plumbers and realtors and doctors and lawyers who are in the space. You wouldn't even know where to start if you tried to, to turn back the, the clock on the industry. You'd have to 
or, you know, lighting companies, or what about Home Depot and Lowe's? They sold all the farms. You'd have to shut down the whole entire economy <laughs> to um, stop the industry at this point. So, so yeah, theoretically, could we, we go backwards? I, I doubt that's going to happen. And really, at the end of the day, the number one thing that's pushing this is the real medicine. You know, we have an opiate crisis in our country right now. People are getting killed at insane rates, taking what, what used to be given to my mom, who was anti-cannabis back in the 70s. You know, her doctors were giving her Valium and pain pills and all these different concoctions. And it's like, look, none of us, I'm almost 60. We don't want to do that when we get older. I'd rather, yeah, smoke pot or take CBD than, than go get some pain pills. We're going to take a quick break here. Be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, 
during and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. So I spent Christmas in a place and I looked it up. It was uh, 72% uh, Republican, Citrus County, Florida, over Manatee Capital of the World. There were cannabis advertisements everywhere. This is not a red or blue issue. This is uh, a, a definite cultural change that has, quite frankly, taken me by surprise. And, and CBD was kind of that baby step because CBD, there's no psycho effects in your head or whatever. And so people like my mother and doctors are like, well, I'm not prescribing cannabis quite yet, but I'm going to give you CBD for your arthritis or whatever. And eventually it will, it will slowly um, get there. But, but things like epilepsy or autism that are just, or dementia, things like that, that there's just nothing out there that works. I have, I have two autistic nephews that are full grown adults and literally could barely speak. And if there's any hope of cannabis or whatever, we'll, we'll take it. So tell me, Andrew, what would you like to see coming out of Washington, you know, the swamp? What could the swamp do to help entrepreneurs in this space? The, the first and easiest would be to just simply declassify cannabis, take it off Schedule 1. It clearly doesn't belong there. The only things, and Schedule 1 is good for things like heroin that have no known medical benefits. But since cannabis does, let's get it off Schedule 1. If we can't do that immediately next year, which I actually think is a real possibility, um, let's definitely get the banking reform. Let's get the tax reform. Let's get um, the allow more places to study the actual science of it so that we can allow more people into the niche. But we we know the government. I mean, right right this second, they're fighting over are we going to get 2000 for people who need it or $600? They need money. The feds need money. So let's if, if we're not doing this the right way, all that happens is more of the dollars and the inventory of marijuana itself gets siphoned off into the illegal markets. And so it's just hurting the economy in general. Yeah, let's talk about those illegal markets. Does this new sector displace the shadow economy or does it create new demand? Oh, I think it's going to displace it completely over time. And it's the same with alcohol. If you went back 100 years, yeah, there were a lot of uh, moonshiners or whatnot. You could still, I'm sure, buy illegal alcohol if, if wherever you could get oh, it. Oh, no. But, but uh, it's, uh, my family it's, may or may not have been involved in that business. You could have definitely <laughs> bought illegal alcohol. <laughs> There's always a shadow economy, Andrew. <laughs> and so the, the thing is now, right here in Bend, Oregon, you know, I could go out and find someone growing pot and buy a joint from him. But guess what else? I could also just get on my iPhone and order four different strains that have been tested at the lab and have it delivered to my door in 30 minutes, just like a pizza. And so it's just ease of use. Plus, we know it's been tested. You know, who wants some random kid growing their pot and no telling what he, oh, he put a little bit of um, uh, magic dust on it. And um, you thought you were just smoking a joint. Next thing you know, you're taking some other drug. Um, so tell me, from an investor standpoint, what would you look for for someone who has a little bit of money and is very passionate about this space? 
I've been in the startup world and investor space for a long time in the high tech world on, on every side as founder, CFO and investor as well, and had both wins and losses. And I've also seen huge losses in, in the investor side of things in cannabis. I have had them call me to help them. So as of right now, I've helped two different billionaires that you would know their name who've called me up and said, oh, I gave $10 million to this dispensary and it went bad. I found out they're, they're um, carting the cash in truckloads to Chicago to, to launder it with garbage money. Oh boy. And so, <laughs> so I've, I tell people you need to use the same due diligence and controls and corporate governance that you use in other companies. So if you're going to put money into a cannabis company, make darn sure that they have internal controls, that they have good accountants that know what the heck they're doing on board, that they have um, corporate governance procedures, et cetera. Don't just throw money into uh, some random company. Don't invest in an LLC. So this is the opposite of oil and gas. Oil and gas, we would have lots of investors go into an LLC. And why? They'd get these great tax breaks. This is the opposite. You're not going to get a tax break. You're going to get a tax penalty. And so I had a guy in Mexico call me that was investing in, in a dispensary chain in Portland and he was getting a K-1 every year and having to pay a huge tax bill to the government, but they never distributed $1 to him. So his investment was like this, this outpouring of cash to the feds because he was getting taxable income, but because the company was spending all the money on growing their business, there was nothing to distribute to the owners. So be very, very careful. There's many horror stories out there. You can read about them. They're all over the press. And you scratch your head and you're like, how do people give these people $200 million when just everything you looked at from accounting to governance to employee sexual harassment, just um, every stone was, was bad where you would look. So be careful if you're going to put money it, it, into the space. So before I leave you, I want to know if you were young, if you were a young buck, you were really passionate about this, where would you go in the country to, to really chase this industry? I've had this debate with lots of people. Dispensary, I don't love the long-term model of that because they're going to be on every street corner. It's kind of like liquor stores. I think you could be more successful if, if you have the skills. Growing pot, it's science, but it's also art. But then if, you, if you're really looking to make the most money, and I've advised some, some rich investors as well on this, and pushed them a little bit, like maybe you ought to back off a little bit and look at, say, an industry that's kind of in the middle, like labs. We I've had a, two lab clients that make a lot of money testing the pot. <laughs> and but so, it goes back to this ancillary thing. When people think about industries, they don't think about all the jobs that are created around that industry. It permeates it all. If you have a lot of capital and you're passionate about, I can think of two growers here in Bend, Oregon that make really good product and they've got 30 years of expertise. And this isn't something you can just jump into tomorrow wait in 30 Texas. Hey, wait 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 andrew they have 30 <laughs> years of expertise so they were doing it illegally <laughs> oh yeah so they were in the illegal they're actually doing it in their garage for most of this century they were just doing it really for kind of family and friends they grew pot they're just passionate about it and so but there is that knowledge that that those types of people will be pulled across the the country into the east coast etc because that knowledge will be in demand so if you were young, would you go work on a farm? Because that's uh, in demand, because what you're saying is we're going to see a lot of expansion across the country. And I was on uh, actually a farm as well, a pretty high profile farm here for a while as a CFO. And I saw a lot of young people out there having a ball. And um, I think the farming is a little bit more 
interesting than dispensaries sound fun to people, but then they get in there and they're, they're bud tender and it's basically like you're working at Starbucks or whatever. Bud tender. (laughs) And they call it a bud tender and you, you help people decide. I met those in, in uh, Vail, Colorado. They're very fascinating folk, those bud tenders. (laughs) And those industries have very high turnover. Um, and so, so there'll be a lot, but there'll be a lot of startups. And so, so I've always loved the startup niche. I've been a founder since the eighties of companies and I've had many, um, many failures in my, my lifetime. My mom just sent me a thing for Christmas, showing me one of my first failures. I opened up one of the first indoor rock climbing gyms in 1991 in Oklahoma before they were all over the country. And um, my bank was my parents, and they cut me off two years later and said no one in their right mind would ever go into a rock climbing. Um, but we learned a lot later there that was untrue. But so I, I go back a long time, and I I love the startup world because if you get a passionate founder with a few other people, you can wear many hats. It can be a lot of fun. Um, it just has, so happens in the cannabis space, you do need need that capital because I've seen companies go through a few million and still go under. So what's your advice, just general entrepreneurship, and I'll leave you with this, you know, for for someone who's young, who's just getting started, how do you push past the failure specifically? I would say if you can go work at a startup, it's just great experience, whether it's high tech or cannabis or whatever, you can get out there and start, since you can get the opportunity to wear many hats, and there's also chances if you're out at, say, I can think of this, of this farm where, oh, wow, this person could do three other things we didn't know about. It's quicker to, to go up than, I've also worked at huge you know, national companies where you know, you're just pigeonholed and, and you can only go so far. So if you can get that real experience working in a startup in a field you're interested in, then over time, you can eventually work towards opening up your own if you just jump in and talk your parents like I did into giving you money to open up something, it's, I didn't have any of the skills. I wasn't even an accountant back then. So I didn't have any of the skills to really run a business. And so it does, it's, it's harder than you think. So, so baptism by fire, right, Andrew? Yeah. So get, get some of that knowledge. And, um, and I tell people in my field, education, so I call it VIP, valuable expertise, instructing and participating in my niche. And it's like a ball and I'm going to grow up bigger and bigger. I've done it for 20 years and it's going to go the next 20 until I'm 80 with every day, whether it's a podcast, a book, taking a course, expanding that ed- education and where your weak points are. So maybe I'm, I'm bad at time management. I could take a time management course or I need another accounting course because I need to up my accounting. You can always improve your education. Listen to podcasts just like this um, to, to learn more. Well, Andrew, on that note, you're pitching my own show. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I could talk all day about this stuff. <laughs> we can tell. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> all right. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break here. Be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. So one of the many questions entrepreneurs face is, where on earth do I go to find opportunity? Well, in the 1800s, back then, it was always go west, young man. And now, up until very recently, if you wanted success, you went to Hollywood out in La La Land, Los Angeles. And if you wanted success, especially in media or finance, it was New York. And for technology, the place to be was Silicon, Silicon what? No, it's not Silicon Valley anymore. In fact, it's something new now. It's Austin, Texas. Well, if you've ever been to Austin, it's a small town with a really massive traffic problem because it kind of grew up overnight. It's this tiny, tiny town that suddenly, wabang, it's the center of technology. And really up until very recently, and I've had cousins in Austin, Texas for about 25 years, my cousin Rosie and her family live out there. It was basically just college professors over at the University of Texas, musicians, a lot of beer, and really, if you know about Austin, Austin's weird. In fact, there was a campaign to keep Austin weird. Well, sadly for the keep Austin weird crowd, that didn't work out. Today, Austin is the new center of the tech universe. In fact, Oracle recently announced that they're moving their headquarters there. Apple is opening up a campus and Tesla is opening up two factories there. And guess what? Willy Wonka himself, Elon Musk, is also going to be living in Austin. 
Austin is the new center of gravity. So if you look back to just 20 years ago, there were only about 670,000 people in Austin. Today, there's about a million. And with that growth comes a lot of issues that I already mentioned. Zoning, density, transportation problems. You know, Texas is wonderful. And in fact, some places in Texas have excellent infrastructure. Others do not. If you go to a city not too far down the street, Houston or Dallas, they have great highways. Austin kind of never got around to building significant amounts of highways. Well, why are people still choosing Austin? Because it's not really a walkable city, but there's nowhere really to park and there's not really any highways. Well, it turns out it's still better than New York and San Francisco. And the weather's significantly better, right? And most importantly, taxes are low. Texas, like Florida, New Hampshire, and several other states don't have a state income tax. So that means once you pay your federal taxes, the rest is yours. And that's where tech startups really want to be. You know, all that stuff is very risky. And the last thing you want to do is have to think about giving more than 10% of your take-home income to a state and not really getting a lot of return. And that's why entrepreneurs are really moving to places like Austin, Texas. So one of the things we do here at Follow the Profit is spotlight and pinpoint areas of success, especially from people who pursued a hobby and found a way to make money off their hobby. Over in South Korea, Gary Kim, he in his spare time would trade gadgets with people. And he did this using, of course, a messenger board where he communicated with fellow employees and people in his area. And him and another colleague saw that this hobby could actually make money if it were organized correctly. So only five years ago, Gary and his friends sold the stock of the company they worked at and began their venture called Carrot with a K instead of a C. It was an online space where people could register and sell secondhand goods to others within a fairly tight radius, a four mile radius. So things like a lawnmower, a lamp, a yacht, you go to Carrot. You need a place to rent, you need a new job, you found some keys, you check out Carrot people in a four mile radius. If you're a local business that needs to advertise and you want people from the immediate area, go to Carrot. So now these days, Carrot has expanded to areas beyond its original little radius in South Korea, and now is all over that country and has become the second biggest e-commerce industry. And if you know anything about South Korea, it's one of the wealthiest places on the planet. So even though Carrot is still privately held, it's now expanding to other countries, and Carrot's valuation is already near a billion dollars. And that's because they doubled their subscribers in a 10-month period, and get this, they quadrupled their sales year over year. And remember, all of this started from Gary Kim's hobby. So always remember, what you think may not be so special because you really enjoy it might be something that the world really, really needs. Selling stuff has existed for a while, right? On eBay, whatnot, Craigslist, right? But Gary Kim had a novel idea. Why not sell it in a tight area? That makes more sense. There's less friction. And that was all because he enjoyed it. He enjoyed it as a service. And now he's running a company that's worth a billion dollars. So always remember, your silly little hobby could actually be a billion dollar idea. Never underestimate your ideas. It might be exactly what the world needs. So many people have many desires, but there's one I can tell you that people want this very second, and they probably will always want this. And that, of course, is financial stability. There are so many ways to get there, and we really try our best at Follow the Profit 
to provide you with those methods. And one path involves three simple words, which when followed can get you exactly where you want to go. Motivation, habit, and discipline. Oof. It's hard to say those words, never mind actually practice what you preach. So the first thing you have to have is motivation. And let's face it, folks, you have to have a desire to do what you set out to do. So let's talk about saving money. What's the motivation for saving money? Plenty of people say they will, and they may have to start saving for a while and then stop doing so because it's hard to carry out habits over a long enough period of time. Really, you have to have motivation at every step of the way, right? It's a push, it's a grind. And it's especially important right now because we live in a world of economic uncertainty and saving money is really difficult. And that's where our second word becomes very relevant. And that's habit. Habits are hard. Changing a diet, working out, all those things. Being successful at work and school, all of those stem from habits. Whether it's something as simple as you choose to walk in the park or you choose to volunteer at a charity near you, or just keep your car clean. My car's jet black, it's impossible to keep clean. You have to have the motivation, but then you actually have to put it into practice, right? And that's where repetition comes into place and habit, it becomes a habit. So let's say for example, that you wanna set aside $500 a year, not a lot of money, but over time that builds up. You can just, Take a little bit, you know, breadcrumb yourself out of a couple paychecks and save $10 a week. And that habit will eventually get you to the $500 a year. And from there, you can continue, you know, pressuring yourself with your habit to increase your savings and even put your money to work, invest it so that your money can work for you. You know, saving money is a great habit, but how do I keep at it? And that's really the final part of it. And that's discipline. Discipline isn't easy. Not every day do we feel ready to take the world by the tail. It's really, really hard to have discipline, especially during times when no one's working. Think about the holidays. Think about your birthday. Think about the weekend. Think about all your friends being out. Think about just everybody's doing it. Why shouldn't you? Discipline's hard and it's not really sexy. People love the results from having motivation, habit, and discipline. But along the way, it's a grind. If you see someone who's in really good shape, they worked for it. If you see someone with a lot of money, unless they inherited it, typically they work for it. Working for it involves those three things. You have to be motivated. You have to turn it into a habit. And discipline is really what you need for it to continue, for it to be sustainable. And financial sustainability is exactly that. You have to have those three things. Day to day, there are really small things and the sum of that is what's life-changing. So let's go back to our $500 a year. If you take those savings and invest and you get a modest annual growth of 6%, you'll have 19,000 in 20 years. And in 40 years, you'll have about 80,000. Of course, you'll lose some of that to inflation. But as you can see, little, little things and the sum of many, many good decisions lead to really, really large gains. All that with a little motivation habit and discipline. Next time you see someone accomplished, think about what it took for them to get there. It wasn't easy, it wasn't sexy, and a lot of times it was pushing themselves when they really didn't want to do the work that day. And that's really what financial sustainability is all about. Holding back 
delaying gratification, and doing the hard work even when no one's looking. Thanks to all of you for joining me as we follow the profit. And of course, a big thanks to Andrew Hunsicker. He's the founder of Dope CEO, and he's a cannabis accounting expert. And he brought his insight as to how the marijuana industry really works. Fascinating conversation. A shout out to our team of producers, Emiliano Limon and Scott Hantler, and to our executive producers, Newt Gingrich and Debbie Myers. I'm your host, David Grasso. If you're enjoying the show, Give us five stars and leave a review so that others can really find out what this show is all about. Follow the Profit is a production of Gingrich 360 and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.